0: church. It's good for us to be together. It's good for us to worship together. My name is Jonas. I'm one of the pastors here, and we find ourselves in a series in the book of Ruth called Ruth, A Christmas Story. You might remember last week as we opened the book of Ruth that we heard about her plight in the the land of Moab. I want to give you an opportunity to follow along with me today and um, we have ushers in the room who'll be bringing out Bibles on page 225. You'll find where we're going to land today. I also want to welcome and say thank you to those who are watching online and those who will be seeing this in kindred. We're grateful that you're participating with us. And if you are watching online, we want to encourage you, come and join us here in person. We'd love to meet you and greet you and be a part of the body of Christ here that we call Bethel Church. The story of Ruth is, and the book of Ruth, is one of the more beautiful pieces of literature ever written. The Bible, as you know, as a student of the Scriptures, has many different types of genres in the Bible, and Ruth is a beautiful narrative story about God's providential care and his sustaining grace. In the... uh, Revelation of God as you see the unfolding of the history of God as He relates to His people. You may remember how God chose a person named Abram to come from a land uh, to another land, and He gave him a promise. And in His promise in Genesis chapter 12, He said, I will give you land that will be yours, I will make you a people. We, uh, to summarize it, I like to think God promised Abram land, seed, and blessing. The land was the nation of Israel, the land of Israel. The seed would be a surprise to him through Isaac and through Jacob and through the people who would be known as the people of God, the people of Israel. And the blessing was that that as they have been blessed by God, so God would use them to be a blessing to others. And the idea for the people of God is that as God blessed these people, they would stand out. And in their standing out, others would want to come to them and see their God and hear about the blessings that he comes. We learn later in the unfolding work of the revelation of God from Paul the Apostle in Galatians that God makes it very clear that the promises of Genesis 12 and the promises of uh, of his blessing to Abraham were not because of some good works that Abraham did, but it was because of God's powerful grace. It was because of his sustaining promise that he kept this promise. It was a unilateral promise. It was based on the character of God. And we know throughout the story of history that all of those who seek God by faith will find him through the person ultimately in work of Jesus. Well, after his promise to Abraham, God made a promise to Moses And in the promise to Moses, he gave them a law to follow, and he told them that they would be going into the land, and it was during the time of Moses and Joshua that the people entered the promised land. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, he taught them through the law that as they pursued him by faith, he would bless them. And when they turned from God with lack of faith or even in rejecting the promises of God, that he would curse them but he would curse them in a way and he would prevent them from the blessing so that they might return back to him. The faithfulness of God would never be lost on the people of God. We see even in Deuteronomy 28 that God knew that they would turn from him in disobedience and that disobedience would have consequence, but in the time of the unfaithfulness of the people of God, God was still faithful. And so... As we open the book of Ruth, page 225, on the text that was handed out to you, I want to remind you that the book of Ruth begins with this statement, during the time of the judges, there was a famine in the land of Judah. And the writer wants you to know that the people of God are experiencing the curses or the lack of blessing from God because of their disobedience. He's giving you the clues here. As Pastor Andy shared last week, the most repeated phrase in the book of Judges is they did what was right in their own eyes. That language is the same language of Deuteronomy 28 and following. God had said, when you do what is right in your own eyes, this is what will happen, and so it happened. And the writer of the book of Ruth wants you to see the faithfulness in the midst of faithlessness Of God to his people. We remember from last week that there was a man named Elimelech and his wife was Naomi. His name meant, My God is King, and her name meant, My life is pleasant. They had two children whose names meant roughly sick and tired. They knew that theirs was a time of suffering because of the consequences of the sin of the people of Israel. And this man, Elimelech, took his wife and his two sons to the place of Moab. And if you're not familiar with the the geography, basically from the land of promise, the land of Bethlehem, they went north, they went east, and then they went south. They went around the Dead Sea and they landed in the place of Moab. And Moab was not a place of promise or a blessing. In fact, it was a place of curse. God said that the, the Moabites were people who were not to be allowed into the people of the promise of God because they had disobeyed God and they had shunned the grace of God. And so the beauty of the book of Ruth is the tensions that are created in this story. To the early listener, this would have been really exciting and they would have caught on and they would have caught, I mean, you can imagine the background music and how fun it would be if you're reading this in the, the minor key of what's happening in chapter one. And in chapter one, we learned last week too that God sees Naomi and he sees Ruth in their distress. And he doesn't forget about the covenant-keeping promise he made to his people. In fact, during the time of the judges, God was doing a work in the people of Israel that they could not have probably even imagined. Verses 22 and following in chapter one, leading to chapter two, you might remember in Bethlehem it was, it means literally in Hebrew the town of bread or the house of bread. So chapter one begins, in a time when there was no bread in the house of bread, they went to find bread. (laughs) They went to greener pastures. But having experienced the tremendous suffering and the providential care of God, they heard that there was now bread in the town of bread and so they returned. And we remember from last week that Naomi did not want to be known as one who was pleasant, but as one, well, one who had suffered and one who was embittered by her life. Chapter 2. Now, I'm going to read the entire chapter, and it's long, and I want you to hear it for its poetic beauty. I want you to hear it for its literary significance. I want you to listen for the repeating words. The writer of Ruth is very careful And as you read the book of Ruth, I would encourage you to do it this week sometime. Sit down and read all four chapters. It's just a few pages in your Bible. And listen for the echoes in the book. Listen for the repeated phrases. Listen for the highs and the lows. Listen along with me, Ruth chapter 2. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side of the family named Boaz. He was a wealthy and prominent man from the clan of Elimelech. One day Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, let me go to the fields so I can gather grain behind whoever permits me to do so. And Naomi replied, you may go, my daughter. So Ruth went and gathered grain in the fields behind the harvesters. Now she just happened to end up in the portion of the field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Now at that very moment, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters, saying, may the Lord be with you. And they replied, may the Lord bless you. Boaz asked his servant in charge of the harvesters, to whom does this young woman belong? And the servant in charge of the harvesters replied, she's the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the region of Moab. She asked, may I follow the harvesters and gather grain among the bundles? Since she arrived, she has been working hard from this morning until now, except for sitting in the resting hut for a short time. So Boaz said to Ruth, listen carefully, my dear. Do not leave to gather grain in another field. You need not go beyond the limits of this field. You may go along beside my female workers. Take note of the field where the men are harvesting and follow behind them with the female workers. I will tell the men to leave you alone. When you are thirsty, you may go to the water jars and drink some of the water the servants draw. Ruth knelt before him with her forehead to the ground, and she said to him, "'Why are you so kind and so attentive to me, even though I am a foreigner?' Verse 11, Boaz replied to her, "'I have been given a full report of all that you have done for your mother-in-law following the death of your husband, how you left your father and your mother as well as your homeland, and you came to live among the people you did not know previously.'" May the Lord reward your efforts. May your acts of kindness be repaid fully by the Lord God of Israel, from whom you have sought protection. And she said, you really are being kind to me, sir, for you have reassured and encouraged me, your servant, even though I will never be like one of your servants. Later during the mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here and have some food. Dip your bread in the vinegar. So she sat down beside the harvesters and then he handed her some roasted grain. She ate until she was full and then she saved the rest. When she got up to gather grain, Boaz told his male servants, let her gather grain even among the bundles and don't chase her off. Make sure you pull out ears of grain for her and drop them so she can gather them up. Don't tell her not to. So she gathered grain in the field until evening, and when she had threshed what she had gathered, it came out to about 30 pounds of barley. She carried it back to town, and her mother-in-law saw how much grain she had gathered, and then Ruth gave her roasted grain she had saved from the mealtime. Her mother-in-law asked her, where did you gather grain today? Where did you work? May the one who took notice of you be rewarded And so Ruth told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked, and she said, The name of the man with whom I work today, his his name is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be rewarded by the Lord because he has shown loyalty to the living on behalf of the dead. Then Naomi said to her, This man is a close relative of ours. He is our guardian. Ruth, the Moabite, replied, He even told me, you may go beside my servants until they have finished gathering all of my harvest. Naomi then said to her daughter-in-law, Ruth, it is good, my daughter, that you should go out to work with his female servants. That way you will not be harmed, which could happen in another field. And so Ruth worked beside Boaz's female servants, gathering grain until the end of the barley harvest as well as the wheat harvest. And after that, she stayed with her mother-in-law. Ruth chapter 2. Friends, I wanna walk you briefly through Ruth chapter two and help you see some of the beauty that God has left for us here in this text. Some of you who are students of the scripture might be familiar with a a, a pattern called chiasm. Chi is the Greek letter X, and what happens in a literary framework, if you're watching along with me, is that the, the writer will use an A, B, C, B, A pattern. A, B, C, almost like an arrow. And the writer is drawing an arrow to bring your focus to the midpoint. It's a common framework here. And what we're going to see is that the focus of chapter 2 becomes verses 8 through 14. It's left there for us in the storyline, but I want us to build up to it. In chapter 2, verse 1, your text probably reads that Boaz is a worthy man. I would invite you to underline that word or save it because next week you're going to discover that Ruth will be described in the same way. The author is setting you up to see that the character and the person of Boaz is like that of Ruth. Isn't it interesting that Boaz, who becomes the hero of the story of Ruth, isn't the book isn't named Boaz, but the, booth, <laughs> the book is named Ruth? Ruth, in so many ways, becomes a a reflection to us of of someone who doesn't have just an ordinary faith, but someone with an extraordinary faith. And in a similar way, Boaz is not an ordinary, run-of-the-mill type of Israelite. I hope you heard there, too, the repeating phrase of Elimelech, my God is king. You see, Naomi left with her husband, my God is king, and they went to the place of Moab, I would argue, in a way that was without faith. And they experienced the consequences of that lack of faith, but now they're coming back and they're seeing the providential care of God. In verse two, we see how Ruth begins to glean in the field. In fact, glean is repeated more than 10 times in this chapter. The author wants you to see the providential, sustaining care of God, even in the gleaning. Now, as one who hasn't always made it a practice to glean, or doesn't even use the language of gleaning very often. It was good for me to remember how gleaning is so much more than just the gathering up of the food. Gleaning was baked into the law of Moses to provide provision for an alien, a stranger, a sojourner, or for the poor who visited the people of Israel. Listen to these words from Deuteronomy chapter 24. In the law of Moses, he writes, You shall not pervert the justice. Do to the sojourner or to the fatherless or take a widow's garment in pledge, but you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. Therefore, I command you to do this. When you reap your harvest in your field and you forget a sheaf in the field, don't go back to get it. Leave it for the sojourner, the fatherless and the widow, that the Lord your God may bless you in the work of your hands." When you beat your olive trees, you shall not go over them again. Leave it for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. And when you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not strip it afterwards. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. You shall remember that you were once a slave in the land of Egypt, and therefore I command you to do this. You see, baked into the providential, sustaining care, even in the law of God, was this care for the fatherless, for the widow. For the poor. Friends, I think for you and I, it's good for us to remember the providential care of God for those who are less fortunate and for those who are suffering. And for some of us, that is us. And to remember that God sees you and God cares for you. I love in verses one and two how Ruth seeks the favor of Naomi. She makes this polite request, let me go that I might gather grain. And Naomi says, you may go. The portrait of humility and courage of Ruth is a wonderful reminder to us of what it means to trust God by faith. I see in this a little bit of an outworking of James who says, faith without works is dead. Ruth had converted, we saw in chapter 1, to becoming a follower of Yahweh God, verse 17. She said, I'm going to make your gods my God. And now her faith is being applied at work. And we see a portrait. We recently talked about a discipleship and this mentoring relationship. How so Naomi and Ruth? Verse three. I hope you saw this as we were reading. Ruth gathered grain in the fields and and the text says she just so happened to end up in the portion of the field belonging to Boaz. Old Testament scholar Daniel Bloch says, if we were translating this today, the literal phrase redundantly says, Her chance chanced upon her, we might say, by a stroke of luck, she landed in Boaz's field. But the one writing this book knows that it's not luck. The one writing this book wanted to pique your interest. He wanted to awaken you. In fact, it's like the writer is screaming, see the hand of God at work here. The same hand that had sent the famine in chapter verse chapter one, verse one, and had later provided the food in chapter one, verse six, is the hand that has brought Naomi and Ruth to Bethlehem precisely at the beginning of the harvest. Their timing could not have been any better. And this same hand of providence has now guided Ruth to the portion of the field that belonged to no one else but Boaz. How beautiful. And we see it building to verses 8 through 10. Look at verse 4. In case you missed it, now at that very moment, chapter 2, verse 4, in the NIV, I think it reads, and behold... As if you could have missed verse three, look at verse four. This is storytelling at the best. The hero arrives on the scene and you see this spiritual tone of Boaz and his workers as warm and vigorous. These people are excited to see one another. Boaz has created a positive work environment for his people. And in so many ways, he's proving the the sustaining love of God being lived out even in his own workplace. When he greeted the harvesters, he said, may the Lord be with you. Do you notice in your text how Lord is all capitalized? This this title for God is Yahweh, or maybe you've heard it Jehovah. It's the proper name of the God of Israel. When Moses was called by God to go before his people and say, God has called you, Moses said, who should I tell them? And God said, tell them I am has sent you. This is the covenant keeping promise-making, God of Israel. And here, Boaz appeals to this God and says, may the Lord bless you. And they replied, may the Lord bless you. And you see how Boaz checks in with his servant, and he notices this young woman in the field who was reaping. Friends, the story is building. The story is escalating. Here's this older, wealthy, well-to-do man of noble character who arrives on the scene, and he sees this young woman And asks how she is doing and who she is, leading us to verses 8 through 14. Boaz pulls Ruth aside and and demonstrates a profound concern for her. He provides food and water and safety. Friends, in so many ways, Ruth would have been an easy target for exploitive men. She was a foreigner. She was poor. She had no place to call home. In a culture that where uh, national, where, where you're from, like ethnicity and power and money, Boaz had all of that. But he noticed the one who didn't. And God, through Boaz, showed his mercy. This benevolent, wealthy Jewish man gave generous of of all that he had for all that she needed. He guaranteed her protection. He made sure her needs were met. And he treated her as if she was one of his own people. God worked through the actions of this righteous man to accomplish his plans for a faithful widow. And isn't it beautiful how so often God in his providence uses human ingenuity to work together to bring about a beautiful redemptive story. Notice verse eight, in the NIV, he calls her his daughter. He treats her as one of her own. There's no interest here in any sort of romantic storytelling, that gets saved for later. In fact, Boaz just treats her like one of his own. Verse nine, I love how one commentator says this. Uh, Well, let me read the verse and then you can hear it. Take note of the field where the men are harvesting and follow behind them with the female workers. I will tell those men to leave you alone. In so many ways, we could say that this is the first anti-sexual harassment policy in the workplace that we're aware of. And in a context where normally foreigners would draw for Israelites and women would draw for men the water from the well, Boaz gives Ruth the authorization to drink from the water his men had drawn. Friends, this is an extraordinary reversal of what culture would have told Boaz to do and what culture might have told Boaz to live. But Boaz knew his God and knew that he was to be different. This caused confusion for Ruth. You might see how she nearly worships him and asks, why are you so kind? And Boaz says to her, I've been given a full report of all that you have done how you left your father and your mother-in-law following the death of your husband and how you left your homeland and you came to live among a people that you didn't know. Friends, here's one of those echoes I want you to hear. She sounds like Abram, doesn't she? She came from a foreign land to a place where she didn't know because she was, promi- she was following Yahweh God. So Boaz blesses her and says, the Lord repay you. Repay you for your actions. And he introduces, in verse 12, one of the more beautiful expressions of God taking care of people. Verse 12 in mine says, may your acts of kindness be repaid fully by the Lord God of Israel from whom you have sought protection. In your translation, it probably speaks of one who is um, finding cover under the wings. I believe that's how one of the translations has it. The idea here this image is of a young or of a mother bird who offers her wings for the protection of her defenseless young. Now I have a friend who collects a lot of birds. And I can't wait to go back out there when it rains sometime because I want to see this happening. I've never witnessed this, but I know that it's a pattern that's often described in the scriptures. Many of the psalms talk about how how God is like the mothering bird that stretches out his wing to care for his child. And under the wing of God, his child finds protection and cover from the hardships of this world. In Proverbs 19, we read, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his deeds. Boaz is living out his faith in a tremendous way. And Ruth's response, she says as much in verse 13, like like the chick under the cover of the hen. She said, you really are being kind to me, for you have reassured me and encouraged me, even though I will never be like one of your servants. Friends, I wish for all of us that we could slow down with the book of Ruth and enjoy the beauty that's sustained in here and feel the tension of the text. She's saying to herself, I I feel so encouraged by you, the one who represents God's faithfulness, because you are reflecting truly the heart of God. Notice just a little bit later, they were eating, and she ate until she was full, and then she saved the rest to share with her mother in law. As I was reading that this week, I heard the echo of Mark chapter 6. Do you remember when Jesus fed the 5,000? The text says they all ate until they were satisfied. That's how it is under the care, under the wing of a loving, sustaining God. We can eat and be satisfied. But the wings of God are not only comforting to the Israelites, they offer protection even for the despised Moabites. You might notice that Boaz goes out of his way to care for her. He goes out of his way to say, don't chase this woman on." In verses 15 and 16, he goes out of his way to tell his men, do not harm her, do not even insult her. He goes out of his way to show her care. In verses 17 through 23, we see this concluding scene and we end up with two words that I want you to see that are significant. As we get to those words, just notice the generosity of Boaz, the generosity of his staff, the generosity of Ruth as she cares for her mom, surely she is experiencing the blessing of God. In verse 20, Naomi says, may this man be blessed of the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. The first word I want you to see there is that word kindness. It's the Hebrew word hesed. And it wraps up an entire cluster of words like love and mercy, grace and kindness, benevolence and loyalty and covenant faithfulness. God is showing all these things to Ruth through Boaz. Naomi had prayed in chapter one that Yahweh would match Ruth's chesed to her family by granting her rest. And here we see that prayer being answered. Friends, let us remember that God rewards those who seek him. Whether they seek him resolutely, as Ruth did, or in perplexity, like Boaz, or whether, like Naomi, they barely have the energy or desire to seek him at all, those who seek refuge in the God of Israel will find to their great surprise that he has already been seeking them. The second word I want you to see is that of kinsman redeemer, the goel in Hebrew. Tim Keller rightly points out that this idea of a kinsman redeemer isn't just about Boaz. It's actually pointing to an ultimate redeemer who is Jesus Christ. When we talk about following Christianity, it's not about trying to be like Ruth or like Boaz. It's about understanding that Jesus loves us, he accepts us, and he takes care of us. When we put our trust in God and give our lives to him, we'll find that he has plans for us that are bigger than we could have ever imagined. The story of Ruth and the story of Boaz are a story that build in us a thirst and a hunger for the story of Christ. Just as Boaz, we will learn, will redeem Ruth, how much more Jesus redeems us. Friends, I want to leave you with three memories, things to remember. More than anything else, I want to remind you that God sustains you. It is God who sustains you. And so for us to remember that, I want to invite you to remember his providence. This is a big word, but it has the idea that God is powerful and he is working all things together for good. As you read the book of Ruth and you slow down and speed up, remember where you are in this story and remember that God is providentially caring for his people. Pastor Warren Wearsby says, God's providential working in our lives is both a delight and a mystery. God is constantly working with us, he's working in us, and he's working for us to accomplish his gracious purposes. We pray and we seek his will and we make decisions and sometimes we make mistakes. But God will order the events and guide his willing children. Friends, if we're being honest today, some of us are a lot like Elimelech. We find it real easy having experienced the providential care of God and now maybe standing outside of his boundaries and living life apart from God, we discover how hard it really is apart from God and maybe we're even afraid to go home. But Jesus invites us to come home. You know, don't, you don't, if you've been to the land of Moab, let me invite you to return to the land of promise. How much more is there sustenance and bread in the house of Bethlehem since Christ has come? He is our bread, He is our sustainer, and He providentially cares for you. Remember His providence. The second thing I want to invite you to remember is to remember His grace. It's real easy for us to think, as Tim Keller pointed out, like I just need to be like Boaz, or I just need to be like Naomi, or I just need to be like Ruth. Surely there are character qualities we want to emulate, but how much more to remember the sustaining grace of God? Friends, if you are following Jesus, it's not because of something you've done, it's because of something that He has done. Jesus loved you first. As you seek Jesus, you will find that He is seeking you. In Matthew chapter 23, listen to the words of Jesus. He says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. How often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. That beautiful imagery of Ruth chapter 2 gets picked up in the teachings of Jesus as a judgment against the people of God who rejected his son. Friends, don't let that be you. If you've gone to the place of Moab, you don't have to die there. Jesus is calling you home. Don't be like the people that Jesus said, I want to gather you together like a mother uh, chicken and, and, and pull you in and provide for you sheltering coverage but you reject me. Don't reject Jesus. Remember his grace. Allow the example of Boaz to be an example to you of how God's grace gets lived out. And finally, remember whose you are. I don't know if you saw this. It took some help for me to see it. In chapter two, in that last scene, Naomi said to Ruth, where did you get all of this stuff? Because Ruth came home with an abundance of barley. My text measures it at about 30 pounds. It's at least a five-gallon bucket. It's a heavy amount. It's a lot for a day's work. There's an abundance here. And and Ruth could have responded with, with the coordinates of where she experienced the blessing of God but instead she responded with the person who blessed her. And I want to remind you today to remember whose you are. It's so tempted to ask, where do you take refuge? And that's where I started. But I want to encourage you to focus your attention less on where you take refuge and more on in whom you take refuge. God is Ruth's provider and sustainer. God is Ruth's protector and all of us face the storms and the temptations and the trials of life and it is in God that we will find our refuge. Like the young bird who hides in the shelter of his mom, so too can we hide in the shelter of Christ. Let's pray together. God, we see in the story of Ruth and Naomi and Boaz, an incredible type of Jesus who is to come. Certainly, Boaz's life reminds us that our lives can make a difference. Lord, before Ruth even entered into the picture, Boaz was busy about the business of reflecting the the Hesed love that he had received from you into all of those around him. I pray, God, that that would be us too. Lord, we see in Ruth a a desire to live faithfully, following you. God, we wanna do that too. And we're reminded in this story today of the providential, sustaining work of you in our lives. Lord, we're reminded of the grace that you pour out even to those who seem most unlikely. And Lord, we're reminded today that it is in Christ we find our shelter. Lord, help us to shelter well in Jesus. Amen.